congregation, the text for this afternoon's sermon is found in the first passage we read from. Our focus will be on Nehemiah chapter 3. And after the proclamation of God's word, let us respond in song. Let us sing from Psalm 122, all stanzas. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, you would probably not ask me to read this list of names of, of people, places, and gates again. For all these different Hebrew names are not easy to pronounce. And they are not what you call well-known at all. Most of the names of the people listed here are never mentioned again in the Bible. And you might be wondering what I was thinking. Why did I bother with this chapter? Why didn't I skip over this passage which reads like a directory? Really, what is this chapter in the Bible good for? How many of us would read through this chapter in our suppertime devotions? And if we do, will we find ourselves trying to zoom through it all as we find the passage rather boring? Yet we must remember that this passage, with all these names, has an important purpose. Is this passage is also a part of, of God's word. This also is a part of the gospel of grace, his word of encouragement for us. For we see here in this passage God's people at that time rallying together and actually getting down to the work of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And beloved, we do well to pay attention to the Spirit's work here. For we're called to do the same. We together are also to be building the same city, yes, Jerusalem, Mount Zion, the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. And where are we when it comes to building? Will we too be found in a directory like this? A directory of, of church builders, of those engaged in the greatest ongoing construction project of all time? The building up of the church of our Lord? The joy of all the earth? Beloved, God's word comes to you this afternoon, summarized under this theme. The Lord has us working together to build up Zion's walls. And we shall see three things that this building first is beginning and ending at the sheep gate. This building is being done by all of us serving, and this building is being brought about by the Spirit. I repeat, the Lord had us, us working together to build, yes, build up Zion's walls. This building is beginning and ending at the sheep gate, is being done by all of us serving, and is being brought about by the Spirit. As this afternoon, beloved, we turn our attention to the book of Nehemiah. And this book of the Bible describes the events after God's people had returned to the promised land after 70 years of exile in Babylon. And in those first few years after their return, God's people had focused on rebuilding the temple. And then when Nehemiah returned later to Jerusalem, God used him to help his people focus on the rebuilding of the walls of the city of Jerusalem. And that is why 
In the closing verses of chapter 2, we read of Nehemiah's call to God's people then to, to get on, yes, with rebuilding the walls. After Nehemiah had inspected the shattered walls by night, he, he, said to him, he said to him, you see the trouble we are in? Jerusalem lies in ruins. Its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. And so you see, the Spirit of God used Nehemiah's words to, to motivate an otherwise dispirited people. With these words of Nehemiah, the Spirit prompted them to action, to work. And so they said, let us, let us start rebuilding. And there was an eagerness to get going and rebuilding God's holy city. And so they began this good work. And now when we look at our lengthy text of this afternoon, we see that they all went to work. And that's why this chapter is so long. This really is a long list of people. It's not a case of just a few doing all the work. Now it was noted precisely here who built which part of the wall of Jerusalem. And the Lord kept record of what each person did. And he still does the same today when it comes to the building of the church. For who does the work of building? Isn't it often always the same few people who do most of the work? And we can yes so easily convince ourselves that someone else is better able to do the work. And you know what we say then, oh, let him or her do it. He would do it so much better than I would. They have so much more time than I do for this work. Besides, I'm busy with many other things. I have enough on my plate at home or at work or in business. And yes, we can easily come up with all kinds of excuses. Yet God will one day call us to account. He will ask us, what did you do for the building up of my church, my holy city, Mount Zion? Now, sometimes we respond so piously and say, well, it's not about what we do. Really, it's all about what God does, what he works. And didn't Jesus Christ himself say, I will build my church? But beloved, let us realize that Jesus Christ uses people like you and me to, to build his church. Indeed, God must work in us with his spirit so that we can work, so that we can build. And so each one of us, using the gifts and the talents given to us by the Spirit has a task, has a responsibility in building up this congregation. And so we're not to be dragging our heels. To be none of this do I have to. No, it must be a matter indeed of being willingly and spontaneously involved in the building up of his holy city, of his church. And yet, the whole plan of reconstructing the walls of Jerusalem was worked out thoroughly. About 40 sections of unequal length were chosen, and each section was allotted to certain persons. In this way, Nehemiah was an excellent organizer. He divided up all this work to ensure that it was properly carried out, that the, that the building actually took place, as even the high priest Eliashib and, and the priests were involved. In this way, the high priest showed leadership. He set an example for God's people. And what did he and 
and the other priests rebuilt. As we can see there in the beginning of our text, they rebuilt the Sheep Gate there in the northeast part of Jerusalem. And so, yes, starting there at the Sheep Gate, Nehemiah chronicles how this rebuilding went. Going around the wall, yes, counterclockwise, he he gave a lengthy list of builders of Jerusalem's thick wall. As this wall was probably about two meters wide and went around for about three kilometers, and this wall had, yes, some ten gates. Yes, the rebuilding started there at the Sheep Gate, but it was carried on to many other gates, the Fish Gate, the Old Gate, the Valley Gate, the Dung Gate, the Fountain Gate, the Water Gate, the Horse Gate, the East Gate, the Inspection Gate, and then back, yes, back up to the Sheep Gate. Because if you look at the very end of our text, you read of how they finished off there at the Sheep Gate. So the work of rebuilding began and ended there at the Sheep Gate. Now the name of each gate was quite telling. It either told you where the gate was or what the gate was for. And as we noted already, the rebuilding began and ended at the Sheep Gate. This was the gate through which the sheep were brought into Jerusalem. And they were brought into the holy city for a very important reason. The sheep were brought into God's holy city to be used in the sacrifice in the temple. No wonder then Eliashib and the other priests were, were involved in the rebuilding of this gate. They're in the northeast corner of the city, very close to God's temple. As their work there in the temple courts as priests required the use of sheep. They needed young sheep. They needed lambs for the morning sacrifice. They needed for the evening sacrifice and for all the other sacrifices that God's people brought to him there in the temple. Yes, beloved, actually for God to live among his people in the temple there in the city of Jerusalem, there was a need for sacrifice. For how could a most holy God live among his sinful people Well, because, indeed, of the priestly ministry of reconciliation. There, before God's presence, the priests were busy ministering, carrying out the work of atonement. Yes, it was only with the sacrifices of sheep, of lambs, in the morning and the evening could our most holy God be reconciled to a sinful people and live among them there in the holy city. And so it was hardly surprising, then, that the high priests and the other priests were rebuilding the sheep gate. This gate was actually central for their work of atonement there in God's temple. And so as you can see, this gate was most vital for the priest's ministry of reconciliation in the temple courts. Really, our most holy God could not live and work among his people unless sheep were there to be sacrificed to make atonement. For yes, the sprinkling of the blood of the sheep symbolized the removal of the people's sins before our most holy God. And in that way, he could live in and among them, be one with them. And so that priestly ministry of reconciliation in God's temple needed to be secured. And that is why priests led by the high priest Elisheb cleared up the rubble there by that fallen gate. They opened their way through the sheep gate to the temple again. 
And beloved, the same can be said for the church of today. How can God live and work among us as church of our Lord Jesus Christ? Is how can we be built up, be renewed? Well, because of his great sacrifice. As we belong to him, we belong to his church because of his one sacrifice on the cross. As we are a congregation bought with his blood, as thanks to the shedding of his blood as the Lamb of God, we may live together in communion with God and with one another. We may have the Spirit working among us so that we may serve one another and serve our God. And so they could serve. That brings us to our second point. This building is being done by all of us serving. And the building was done by everyone. As we just noted, the high priest and the priests were involved in the building up the walls. Now you might say, well, that, that was not their normal way of serving among God's people. They usually served among God's people in the temple. But they didn't think themselves a cut above the rest of God's people. They didn't say, we have more important things to do. No, they too were a part of God's covenant people. They too were members of, of the congregation. And so they too were active in rebuilding the walls. They were out there pounding and shoveling and lifting and sweating with the rest of God's people. But they were not the only ones in leadership position who were active in the rebuilding of Jerusalem. There were also the nobles and the rulers. And they were very much involved too. There was, for example, Raphaiah, son of Hur, ruler of the half-district of Jerusalem, who repaired a section of the wall. And so you read in verse 9, there was also Shalom, son of Aholahesh, ruler of the other half-district of Jerusalem, who repaired another section of the wall with, with his daughters. And we'll get back to the daughters later. As this work of rebuilding was not below the dignity of these nobles, of these rulers, not even the work of repairing the dung gate, for as we're told there in verse 14, the dung gate was repaired by Melchiah, son of Rechab, the ruler of the half-district of Beth-Hakarim. And we're told also there that he rebuilt it, put its doors and bolts and bars in place. You can imagine how this work at the dung gate went. The name of this gate says it all. This was the city gate out of which the dung, the garbage, the city was brought. Near this gate then you would find piles of stinking garbage, of dung, of excrement, of, of both people, of animals. The smell near this gate would be not be most pleasant at all. And yet Malchiah and his, his men rebuilt this gate, working in and near the stink, not the most enjoyable task in rebuilding the city, Yet they did this humbling work. This work too needed to be done. And the same is also true today in building up the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. There are certain tasks which are not always the most enjoyable, the most pleasant. Think about when we are called to help out fellow church members whose, whose attitude towards building up the church stinks. If only foul things to say about the church, nothing ever really upbuilding. And yet did not our Lord Jesus Christ say whoever will be 
great among you must be the least. And so, yes, being the least, we humbly do the work wherever the Lord God calls us to work in his church, even if it's things that we don't particularly mind. And so all of God's people is also desired to be building up the church, the walls of Jerusalem. For as we also see here in our text, it was not just those living within the walls, but also those living outside the walls in the surrounding towns and villages who are active in this work. As this passage tells us the names of these peoples and of their towns and their villages, verse 3 tells us, for example, that the men of Jericho, and Jericho several kilometers to the east, men from this town, yes, built the section next to the priest who had, who had rebuilt the sheep gate, and in verse 5, we are told that the men of Tekoa, and Tekoa was a, a little town several kilometers to the south of Jerusalem, that they repaired a section. And then in verse 27, we're told that they repaired another section. And then in verse 7, we note that the men from the towns of Gibeon and Mizpah, both towns to the north of Jerusalem, also worked on a section of the wall. There were more. There were also the inhabitants of Zenoa, to the southeast of Jerusalem, and the ruler of Bethsur also to the south of the holy city who also made repairs. And I could go on about other towns whose peoples helped, yes, built this holy city. And you might ask, why, why did they all help? Why didn't they just say, well, we don't live in Jerusalem. Let the people who live in her take care of the rebuilding of her walls. But beloved, they knew that Jerusalem, Mount Zion, was also the city of their great king and God. This is where they too came regularly to worship God. Yes, through the priests in Jerusalem, there was the God's ministry of reconciliation also for them. This is where they received God's blessing before going out of the city back home. And yes, also through the rulers there in Jerusalem, there was God's ministry of justice for them. This is where they came if they had difficult course cases. If they were seeking justice, reconciliation with one another. Really in Jerusalem were the fountains also of their salvation. And so they too would come up to the city where God helped them, where he ministered to them and encouraged them in their life of faith and obedience. But let us also realize people not just from different towns but also from different walks of life came to help build these walls as Nehemiah noted there in verse 8 Uzziel son of Ahariah one of the goldsmiths repaired the next session and Hananiah one of the perfume makers made repairs to next to that one and so they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall and then again in the very last verse of our text we hear about goldsmiths at work making repairs along with the merchants. Might be hard to imagine that goldsmiths and perfume makers, those whose daily work involved fine skills and craftsmanship, would be working away with stones and mortar and timber, grunting as they lifted stone upon stone into place, getting their hands all cut up, and yet they did not shy away from this work. 
They were working there alongside the other members of the congregation. And also today we all, regardless of our different occupations, our different walks of life, are called to build together the walls of Zion. Yes, whether we are carpenters or plumbers, mechanics or salesmen, computer programmers or teachers, homemakers or accountants, we cannot shy away from this work which God calls all of us to do here. And yes, we're also called to the work of building Zion's walls as, as both men and women. For what did we read there in verse 12? that Shalom, son of Aholahesh, ruler of the half-district of Jerusalem, rebuilt the next section of the wall with the help of his daughters. As the daughters were also active in this building project. They were out there helping building up the walls. A special mention is made of them. For when it comes to the building of the church then and also today, then yes, both men and women, sons and daughters, are called to service. Indeed, the daughters of Zion are called to service. Oh, they're not called to serve in the special offices in the offices of minister, elder, and deacon. Scripture is clear. The work in these offices are for the men alone. But there's so much other work they are called to do. They have so many gifts which equip them for a lot of work in the church. Do we all know what the women do for the building up of this congregation? And do we always appreciate their work? Also here, I'm sure they're very active and busy. Yes, they are the ones at work in the homes, very much involved in raising our children and teenagers, the future of the church. They're also the ones busy helping other families in our midst with special needs and concerns. And do we encourage them in this work? Do we encourage them also to expand their work? And also the work of helping and encouraging other women of the church who have their struggles and their difficulties. Yes, where are the older women in helping the younger ones? Yes, with sound, sound instruction and advice. And so you see from this passage that the members of the church are not all the same. There's a real diversity among the members who are at work building up the church. There are members who are male and others are female. Some are young and others are old. Some are leading, others are following. Some are rich and others are poor. Yet they're all busy with the work, with the task of building up the church of our Lord. Yes, there is to be a working alongside one another. And so also today we're all to be one in purpose. Together we are to be building up the one church of our Lord. But how eager are we to, to work together, to be united as church? Do we seek to work more and more together? Is this our earnest desire? And does it show in practical ways, even when there are differences of opinion, differences in thinking? Oh, let us not be each doing our own thing. Let us not as church be caught up in the individualistic spirit of our time, now let us ask ourselves, yes, besides coming here for worship, in what other activity or study am I involved? Is this time of worship the only time I, I fellowship with other members of the church? As I'm too busy with many other things in my life. What about working together for the reformed education of the youth of the church, the future of the church? 
Do we seek to be on the same page when it comes to instructing our children, our teenagers, in accordance with God's words summarized in the Reformed Confessions of the Church? Do we all, younger and older alike, seek to, to support our own Reformed school? Is this something we support as a communion of saints helping one another? For yes, the sound instruction is vital for the next generation of the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, beloved, let us build. Let us build together. Let us build through the help of God's spirit, the help of his word. Or else none of this work can start. None of this work can be brought to completion. Yes, this brings us to our last point. This building is brought about to completion by the spirit. As I said before, everyone was involved in building. But you might say, well, hold on a moment. Not really. For what did we read there in verse 5? There in verse 5 we read, in the next section, the wall was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but, and then it comes, <clears throat> but their nobles, the nobles of Tekoa, would not put their necks, you could say their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. As the Holy Spirit saw fit, for Nehemiah to also mention those who refused to help. And they're called here the nobles. They were, you could say, the upper crust. Maybe they thought too much of themselves. Perhaps they thought they were too good for this kind of work. And regardless of why, they were not going to work alongside those other people from their town. Yes, they refused to put their shoulders, they refused to put their necks to the service of their lords, their lords being men like Nehemiah, men who have been called by the Lord God to lead his people in this work. For, beloved, it was the Lord God then and also today who calls all his people to the work of rebuilding Jerusalem's walls. But these nobles didn't respond to God's call. Really, where was their great love for the Lord God and for his church? For, beloved, if we are truly united with our Lord Jesus Christ, then we'll also be living members of his church, truly filled with the great love and zeal for his church. But like these nobles also today, there are those who refuse to work together to build up together God's church. And people have all kinds of excuses for not being active not being engaged in service and building up. And you hear it all. I'm so busy with my daily work. And wrongly so. Some members are enslaved to, to their work. And yet others say they have no time. Yet they have time for themselves, for their own fun and pleasure. And then there are others who say, well, I'm a bit of a loner. I'm, I like being on my own. And how easy it is never to come out of one's comfort zone. And still others are, are, you could say, bitter about the church, nursing grudges against others here. You hear these things like, well, if only the consistory had done this or had done that. If only so-and-so were not here, I might help out. Or I can't handle working with so-and-so. They really grate me the wrong way. But really all these reasons are not valid. Are these the reasons... You and I will give God on the last day when he asks you why we did not give ourselves fully and zealously in the building up of his church. Beloved, let us put our shoulders to the work of building Zion, the church of Jesus Christ. And let us take note of 
what it says there in verse 4. There in verse 4 we read, Merimoth the son of Uriah, the son of Harkos, repaired the next section. And then later in verse 21, Merimoth the son of Uriah, the son of Harkos, repaired another section. Talk about being motivated. Rebuilding, repairing two sections of the wall. No doubt he was fully involved, full of zeal for this important work. And actually this is said of another. It is said of Barak, son of Zabai, there in verse 20. He zealously repaired another section from the angle to the entrance of the house of Elisha, the high priest. As Barak repaired, he rebuilt with great zeal, with great fervor. This zeal, this fervor he had and worked in him by the Holy Spirit. For it was the Spirit then and, and also now which gives us the strength, the zeal, the fervor to build. He is the one who motivates us in our work. And so we need to pray to our Lord God to fill us each day again with his Spirit. For yes, we too are building Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem Really, there is no place for us to be lazy or expect to be served by others. Let us ask ourselves not, what can I have others do for me? But what can I do to help the church, to help build her up, to strengthen her? And so let us fully engage ourselves in this work. Let us each do our part. This is what we saw happening there in the rebuilding of Jerusalem so many years before. Each person or group, they're told, did their own part. Some were given some more difficult tasks like building towers, constructing corners. So we told very specifically what they did. And other people, well, they worked very close to their own homes. So we read there in verse 10. And then again in verse 29. You could say they didn't have to walk far to the job site. They started cleaning up the rubble, rebuilding right in front of their own homes. You could say they had a lot of work to do right close to home. And also today, let us start close to home. Let's simply do the work right where we are. And we have a lot of work to do when it comes to building up this body. And let's not get ourselves in knots about what others should or should not be doing when it comes to the building of the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. For you and I cannot oversee the entire construction of Christ's church. Only he can fully supervise the building of his one holy Catholic church. For yes, Christ is still building his church today. He's still building, yes, Mount Zion. He's doing this by his word and spirit. Well, he's not building the city in the same way as before. He doesn't call us to build a thick, strong wall of stone around this church building. He doesn't call us to restore gates of some ruined city. And the Jerusalem we're building is, is different. Yes, we have here come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. This Jerusalem has no need for stone walls and gates and towers. For this is a Jerusalem that is constantly growing, constantly expanding. This is a Jerusalem of which Isaiah the prophet said many nations will stream into her. And you think the list of names is long in this chapter. The list of members who will build the new Jerusalem will be so much longer. 
For this is a city which grows in membership and faithfulness by the working of the Spirit and the Word. For what do we read there in Zechariah 2? Well, Zechariah lived roughly in the time of Nehemiah. And he saw a man with a measuring line in his hand. And Zechariah asked him, where are you going? And he answered, to measure Jerusalem, to find out how wide and how long it is. And then it was said, run, tell the young man, Jerusalem will be a city without walls because of the great number of men and of livestock. And I myself, God was saying here, will be that wall of fire around it. And I will be the glory within now those working so hard on rebuilding the stone walls of Jerusalem have been shocked hearing these words. Really, how could Jerusalem be safe and secure without, big, without a big wide stone wall all around her? But know well what Zechariah said here. The Lord himself will be a wall of fire around Jerusalem. The Lord himself will be protecting the city. And yes, fire was a sign of his protection. It's not the first time that the Lord's protecting presence was one of fire. Think of the Lord's presence by a pillar of fire, which protected and guided his people as they traveled through the wilderness towards the promised land. And really, the Lord's spirit is a, is a wall of fire, a wall of protection around us, his people. So he protects us by his spirit and word. And a good thing this wall of fire is a wall of fire, not of stone. The Lord Jesus Christ, with his spirit and word, gathers more and more and more people into his church. Really, church cannot have physical walls, as it is to be constantly growing in numbers. We cannot have gates with doors which will keep people out, but, but ones which are opened, letting the nations of the world come in. Indeed, all who believe in Jesus Christ are to be living members of a church we must all show forth, yes, the power and the work of the Spirit within us. And so we're also then called to be living and active members, also here. For yes, one day the work of building will be complete. Yes, the construction project will come to an end. Then the walls of this city will be measured. And so you can read there in Revelation 21. For then the walls will be completed at the end of time. Then we will see the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. And we'll have a great high wall with 12 gates. Three gates on the north, three on the south, three on the east, three on the west. And the wall of the city will have 12 foundations. A strong foundation. And the wall will be 144 cubits this wide. And the city will be laid out like a scare as long as it is wide. And on that day, yes, all the work of rebuilding will be complete. Then all who belong to Jesus Christ will be gathered into his holy city. Beloved, let us go forward to this great day in faithful service. And as the Spirit works in us, let us all be at work too then. To the praise and the glory of the Lord who lives in the midst of us, his city. This will be a truly lasting city the joy of all the earth. Amen.